announcement from Brill Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Welcome to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Come on in, come on in, have a seat. I'm like Planet Pluto, as you know. I'm a hung like Planet Pluto. Kind of like a Han Solo, baby. You can call me Let's go, let's go. The roof, the roof. The roof is on fire. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water, let the motherfucker burn. Burn, motherfucker. Burn. Yeah, oh my god, come on. Don't you feel that right down in your gizzard? Now say it with me. Come on. Yo, yo. Coming up. Right here. Your turn. Yo, yo. That's what I'm talking about. It's kind of empowering, isn't it? I don't know what it is. Hey, good evening. Welcome to the uh, Rovings of Acclaim here on Just Radio this Friday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2009. Welcome one. Welcome all. Come on in. Have a seat. What's that you say? It's we're starting a little early this evening. Well, as you may know, the um, atomic clock in uh, Boulder, Colorado, has made adjustments. No, I'm just kidding. We just felt like running a little early today. That's the whole point of having your own radio station. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. 
We add five minutes on the beginning. We add five minutes on who's going to, are you complaining? Do you feel like you're not getting your money's worth? All right, come on, talk up with me. It's Friday night. Oh, my. I'm not. Oh, that is tasty doggy. Um, we, you've been uh, you tuned into the Roovings of Acclaim. It's Friday, which means that um, in a, for the average working person, for most of the folks out there, um, it's a it's like a holiday. It's like the end of the week, and they're gonna you know um, gonna sleep in probably tomorrow or not you know uh, go to work tomorrow. I mean, for some of us, you know, every day is just, you know, a, a grinding, torturesome, you know, thing. Every day is the same. But for some folks, the whole weekend thing, we've sort of um, designed every week, every few days to have this like little mini vacation at the end of the week. And we say, thank God it's Friday because God created Friday, as you know. God created everything, and he just he tweaked his nose like Samantha, and he created not just the sun and the moon and the stars and every creature and everything and every, but he also created the whole week structure, the calendar, everything. I know what you're thinking. What about uh, the ingenuity of mankind, Jess? Didn't man create anything that he should feel proud and take credit for? No. No. No, it's Jesus. Jesus made it all. You didn't do nothing. And so for those who are celebrating the weekend as a holiday, uh, and happy Friday. Happy weekend. And to celebrate the weekend, we have a wonderful uh, show in store for you this evening featuring the greatest in uh, classic rock. And maybe you can even uh, guess the um, theme of the show. Why not stop by the uh, Jester Radio chat room and throw your two shekels in the thick of the fray? I'm hanging there with uh, Louie, who is rejoicing at another live show, second evening in a row. So without further ado, we're going to uh, turn our attention to the headlines. From high atop Jester Radio studios in a secret location... Outside your universe. It's time now for the headlines. Time now. Now it's time. This is my favorite part right here. President Barack Obama can... can, Isn't there something we can do to get it to end less abruptly? Bob? Can we do something to get it to end less abruptly? Like, sort of... No. That's all we get. You'll work on it. All right. President Barack, and by the way, don't scoff because he's the one who made that beautiful new um, chat room. And it has some lovely features. It's got smiley faces, which I know a lot of the, um, the women and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the men that we treat as women enjoy. And it's got a sound effects gizmo. And it also has like a dock, no dock. How do we explain that, Bob? Floating dock feature. It can float. 
in a separate window or it could dock back onto the web page. Bob is very proud of that, rightfully so. So before you scoff, uh, he will, in fact, uh, fix that uh, sound effect. I guarantee it. Sometime before the summer, I'll bet you, too. President Barack Obama consigned the Iraq War to history today, declaring that he will end combat operations within 18 months and open a new era of diplomacy in the Middle East. I don't know about you, but I'm sort of get like a shiver me timbers up and down my spine. Here's a guy who said he'll do what he'll fucking do. He said he'll do it, and he did it. He said, I'm going to do, and this is why you should vote for me, and his ass barely hit the fucking seat, and he's doing it. And in addition to all this other shit, this guy is facing the worst economy since 1933. He's facing trouble in the Middle East, two fucking wars. I mean, this guy's up to his puppet in shit. And yet we hear something fucking happening every goddamn day. Let me say this as plainly as I can. By August 31st, 2010, our combat mission in Iraq will end, Obama said. He was talking to a bunch of Marines who were about to deploy by the thousands to the other war front, Afghanistan. Even so, Obama will leave the bulk of troops in place this year, contrary to the hopes of uh, Democratic leaders for a speedier pullout. And after combat forces withdraw, thirty-five to 50,000 will stay behind for an additional year and a half to uh, support and carry out uh, counterterrorism duties. So here's a guy who knows how to compromise, how to balance, how to make everybody happy. He's saying basically the combat will end in a year and a half, and within three years, within another year and a half, we're out of there. And that's the way you do it, man. You do it carefully. You do it smartly. You do it without committing yourself to an impossible fucking timetable. But you make a timetable. And fuck this shit. The, you know, the, the, the conservatives have been saying for the past six years, oh, no, that's the worst thing you do. Because if you tell them there's a timetable, blah, blah, blah. It's always like if we do this, something terrible will happen. In this case, if you tell them it's a timetable, the terrorists will use that information and they'll plan everything around the timetable because they're just that ungodly. They're that just evil. And to that, I say, and it seems that Obama reflects my thoughts, fuck that shit. I don't care what the terrorists, the terrorists will always do something fucked up. No matter what I say or what I think or what I do, they're going to take it and do something fucked up with it. I can't live my life around what it is the terrorist might or might not fucking say. So just six weeks into office, Obama used blunt terms and a cast-in-stone promise to write the last chapter of a war that began six years ago. It cost more in lives, money, and national stamina than ever envisioned. Like Dwight Eisenhower and Richard Nixon before him, Obama came into office with an inherited war, uh, war, I should say, that he pledged to end without delay. Eisenhower did in Korea. Nixon didn't, of course, you recall, in Vietnam. And I remember that dragging out and thinking, man, this sucks. This cocksucker promised he would end the war, and he didn't. And it was really, it really uh, hurt the country. And this guy kept his promise. He kept his promise in the first fucking month. 
Iraq's future is now its own responsibility, he said. Defense Secretary Robert Gates and Admiral Mike Mullen, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, flanked Obama during the announcement. It was a symbolic statement that top military advisors are on board with the strategy. Some had openly questioned before Obama's inauguration. More than five years have passed since Bush declared the end of major combat operations in Iraq, a statement that proved false as sectarian violence brought Iraq to the brink of disaster. Who knew that, you know, if you take away an entire civilization's, you know, gas, power, water, food, electricity, you know, government, who knew that there would be a problem? Go figure. These fucking cocksuckers, they, they had no plan. They had no entrance plan. They had no exit plan. They had no idea what lay in store for them. They told us that the citizens of Iraq would greet us in the streets throwing candy at the soldiers. Like, remember that scene when Dorothy kills the Wicked Witch of the West and the guy goes, she's killed her. You know, the, the OEO guard, OEO, yo. And she goes, well, I'm sorry, I just threw the bucket. He goes, hell, Dorothy, we were under a spell. She was like, oh, you don't fucking hate me? And he goes, no, we were under a spell. We were acting mean, but we were really nice. And she was all like, can I have the broom? And he goes, yes, you may, and take it with you. That's the way it was supposed to be in Iraq. I'm not sure who was going to play the guard but and who was Dorothy, but it was something supposed to be similar, goddammit. Check this shit out. Three and a half years after Hurricane Katrina, that shit's been languishing. National Guard is pulling out the last of its troops this weekend, leaving behind a city still desperate and dangerous. Residents long distrustful of the city's police force are worried that now they're going to have to fend for themselves. I don't know if crime will go up after these guys leave. But I know a lot more of us will be packing our own pieces now to make sure we're protected, said Calvin Stewart, owner of a restaurant and a store. New Orleans Police Superintendent Warren Riley said that his rebuilt police department is up to the job of protecting the city. I think we're ready to handle things, he said. Famous last words. I think those were the, uh, word for word. That was Custer's words. I think we're ready to handle whatever they can throw at us. New Orleans Police Superintendent Warren Riley said his uh, rebuilt police department is up to the job. The National Guardsmen were welcomed as as, um, liberators when they arrived uh, in force in a big convoy more than four days after Katrina struck New Orleans back in August of 2005 and plunged the city into anarchy. The force was eventually 15,000 strong. The last of the troops were removed in January of 06. A civil authority returned, but then, after a surge in bloodshed, 360 were sent back in the beginning of mid-06 to help uh, police keep order. As of February, only about 100 troops are left in the city. So it's a wasteland. And will it ever, you know, get back up to the you know level it once was? Let me tell you, I'm going to go down there this uh, in a couple of weeks, and I'll report back. But I was down there the year before last, and it was kind of fucking tragic and sad. And I don't know uh, if it's going to be any better. And I think it's kind of a 
you know, I don't think it's, I'm one of these people that doesn't necessarily feel like the government should be in charge of fixing that shit up. But it is a shame, man. How do we fucking hold our heads up? One of the greatest tourist attractions on the planet, the city of New Orleans, was devastated. And you would think that in this fucking great country of ours, a bunch of commercial interests would have come together and say, let's, you know, this is a great opportunity. Let's rebuild from scratch and make it 10 times the fucking place. And those fucking little donuts from that place would taste 10 times as, what are they? Benoit's, Ben, Ben, whatever they're called. The little donuts that they serve there on the uh, French Quarter. Holy McGillicuddy. I could eat like 70 of those. Hey, listen, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown, and it's a winter's day, a deep and dark December, and I am alone, gazing from my window to the streets below on a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow. I am a rock. I am an island. Leave it right where it is. It gets good right now. A winter's day In a deep and dark December I am alone Gazing from my window To the streets below On a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow Friendship causes pain It's laughter and it's loving I disdain books 
in my poetry to protect me. I am shielded in my armor, hiding in my room, safe within my womb. I touch no one, and no one touches me. Paul Simon and Simon and Garfunkel on Jest Radio. I am a rock, of course, referring to that uh, poem by uh, John Donne, No Man is an Island. And that was Paul's way of saying, Boo she. I, in fact, feel very much like an island. Don't talk of love. I've heard the word before. It's sleeping in my memory. I won't disturb the slumber of feelings that have died because if I never loved, I never would have cried. <laughs> Think about that shit. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Cloud on Just Radio. It's Friday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2009. And check this shit out. We have an all-new chat room, and it is rocking. And uh, you can get to it so easily by heading over to www.justradio.com. Click on chat. Follow the easy-to-follow instructions. And if you can't handle that much, we don't. we're sort of asking you not to come. If you can't figure it out from there, then just don't send mail or call and say, how do I get... Just figure it's not for you. Because that we consider that to... That's sort of what, what we call a natural filter. You know what I'm saying? Sorry. Uh, with uh, ambitious plans to change healthcare, energy, farm payments, taxes... And more, uh, President Barack Obama's budget gives congressional Democrats goals to reach for and highlights political target, targets for Republicans to aim at. Our work is well cut out for us, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said, as she praised a wonderful blueprint from the administration that looks beyond reviving a weak economy and restoring order to the credit markets. While Pelosi focused on calls for expanded health care, uh, environmentally friendlier energy policy and improved education. Republicans saw, of course, higher taxes, soaring government spending, and federal uh, record federal deficits in the budget released today. I have serious concerns with this budget, which demands hardworking American families and job creators turn over more of their hard-earned money to the government to pay for unprecedented spending increases, said Senator Mitchell McDowell, the Republican from Kentucky. And the Senate Republican leader, even Senate Budget Committee Chairman Ken Conrad of North Dakota had misgivings. Conrad said he worried about the budget's long-term outlook, which sees deficits fall until 2013 and then begin to rise again. I think that requires additional work, he said uh, today on, C on CNBC. And he predicted trouble for Obama's plan to limit itemized deductions for individuals earning more than 200000 and couples earning more than 250000 I would put that high on a list of things that would be given a thorough scrubbing and may well not survive, he said. And, of course, you know, why should we be listening to these Republican uh, pundits who are just waiting to snipe at the president's budget? Well, because they did so well with the economy for the past eight years. We should listen to them very carefully and then do the exact opposite of everything they say, because they're disingenuous, lying sacks of shit. Because when they say, oh, if the average guy, they, how could they talk about the average guy and then people earning over $250,000 in the same breath? How do they fucking dare? 
and the and the tr- and the thing that blows my mind is is how do these poor fucking blue collar workers who fucking sweat their balls off all year for their forty nine lousy grand how do they fucking go along with these people? Talk about drinking your fucking Kool-Aid. I know that's a very popular saying with the right wing about how the whole, you know, uh, left all, you know, fell at Obama's feet and drank the Kool-Aid. Probably not even even understanding what that phrase refers to, what it means. Look up uh, Reverend Jim Jones, by the way. Reverend Jim Jones for for uh, a full explanation of what the expression uh, drinking the Kool-Aid means. But uh, I got to tell you, I am not an economist and I am not an expert on these things. And and I got to tell you that I rely on the expertise of people that I trust. And conversely, and you all who have taken logic in college know what the syllogism is, that I don't that I don't take advice from people that I don't trust and the people that have been uh, deregulating the economy to the fucking you know it started with Enron and it just has turned into this uh, just uh, debacle that this that this creature like Madoff can exist only because of this this environment of deregulation that encourages this hands-off, government hands-off approach. Let the market regulate itself. And of course, that's great for big business, but that's really bad for the consumer. Really bad. Because it, the, because many markets don't ever work themselves out. They become, you know, exploitive. Because the, uh, the guys who, you know, own the market band together and, you know, and do fucking nasty things behind the consumer's back. So as a result, people get together and they have governments to protect the borders, take out the garbage and write regulations, rules and, 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 uh, orders of how companies and businesses are to conduct themselves in order to be allowed to carry on business in America. And part of that making of those rules is monitoring the fucking rules. Uh, the guy who finally blew the whistle on Madoff, he's been trying to do it for a decade. He's been begging the, you know, the, all these c- commissions to come take a look at how this guy is ripping people off for the past fucking eight, nine years. Nobody's been paying attention to this guy. Ah, let him be. He's an American businessman, a success story. He's creating jobs. Trickle down. Members of an assisted suicide ring say they've done nothing wrong and seem eager for a court battle over criminal charges that they helped a Georgia man kill himself while their supporters are using the case as a rallying cry for more debate about end-of-life issues. Four members, you know, this to me is like endlessly hysterical. The fact that we actually have a debate in this country, in this society, of whether or not we should let people kill themselves. It just seems... I mean, on some level, it's outrageous, but, you know, on a much more Zen level, it's silly. Who the fuck is going to stop me from killing myself? I want to kill myself. Sorry. I'll just not tell you and do it. And then what are you going to do to undo it? Punish me? Four members of the final exit network were arrested 
on Wednesday on charges that they violate, violated George's assisted suicide laws by helping 58-year-old John Calmer uh, or Selmer use helium and an exit bag, a plastic hood with a bunch of tubing attached to suffocate himself. And by the way, they're purposely not clear about the exact mechanism of this gizmo because apparently you got to fork over 50 bucks to get the plans because under the guise of they're doing it only for club members so that it's not just released to the public. But what the fuck? Who the fuck are they? The guardians of the big fucking secret. Publish the shit. I got to fork over. What if I'm poor and I want to kill myself? Is that still okay? Or is this just a privilege for the rich? Network president Thomas E. Goodwin and member Claire Blair, both arrested in Metro Atlanta, were released from jail late yesterday. Goodwin's attorney, Cynthia Kuntz, said that she was confident that her client will be vindicated. In Baltimore today, Dr. Lawrence D. Egbert and Nicholas Alex Sheridan smiled and waved to supporters before asking a judge to release them on bond so they can travel to Georgia to face charges. The judge later agreed to release, and their attorney uh, said they were expected to travel to Georgia over this weekend. These are not people who are running from justice, said Michael Kamenkow, an attorney for this uh, Egbert fellow, the group's medical director, and Sheridan. Uh, these people uh, want justice. So they're looking for a, they're scrapping for a fight. They're looking to drag the courts into this to have once and for all. He says, these people are suffering. They're suffering. They're experiencing in their own personal experience. What? But, I mean, you know, the truth is we've just become just too damn touchy-feely, man. I mean, it's none of your fucking business. I mean, I appreciate that you're concerned, but don't make your concern my problem. You know, I mean, I used to tell that to my mother when I was a kid. She would be like, you come home early. You don't you don't stay out. You call me. I worry about you. And I'd be like, yeah, but how is that my fucking problem? If you're going to worry, isn't that your fucking problem? Isn't that something you need to deal with? Not me. Why do you turn that around on me? Never did get that whole thing. So if you feel bad that I'm going to kill myself and you feel somehow concerned that I'm going to hurt my chances of getting into heaven or 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 if you think or if you're outraged by my arrogance that I should take the one and only life that my Savior has given me and flaunt and flagrantly thrown it to the wind or whatever the fuck it is that you feel, I hear you, I'm with you, I just don't care to hear about it. It's got nothing to do with me. Mind your own beeswax. See what I'm saying? And let me tell you something else. You really should accept this time he's gone for good. He'll never come back now, even though he said he would. So, darling, dry your eyes. So many other guys would give the world... I'm sure, to wear the shoes he wore. The Flying Machine on JR. Don't touch that dial. You really should accept This time he's gone for good He'll never come back now even though he said he would 
places we used to go But I know she'll never show She hurt me so much inside Now I hope she's satisfied And I go to pieces and I wanna hide Go to pieces and I almost die every time Baby passes by Go to pieces and I cry Every time my baby passes by Go to pieces and I cry Oh, uh, we'll go Peter and Gordon on Just the Radio. Go to pieces. Man, that's just one of those songs, isn't it? It's just fucking perfect. It's just perfect. And you know how some songs, uh, the bridge is just sort of like um, thrown in there, you know, sort of make the tune like A-A-B-A, you know, to, to get some variety. In this song, the bridge, the change-up part, it's like you look forward to it the whole song. I remember what she said when she said goodbye, baby. We'll meet again soon, maybe. And you know that feeling, man, like, I remember what she said when she said. You know that feeling. You remember what she said. You fucking remember what she said. And she said, goodbye, baby, we'll meet again soon, maybe. Like, all those brutal, contradicting terms. Meet again soon, maybe. Ah! Your heart is, like, wrenching apart. But until we do, all my best to you. And then he turns back to the listener after this quote. This is like a quote. And he says, I'm so lonely. I think about her only. Go to places we used to go. But I know she'll never show. She hurt me so much inside. Now I hope she's satisfied. Unbelievable. Peter and Gordon on Jester Radio. Uh, flying machine before that smile, little smile for me. You're listening to the ravings of a clown on JR this uh, Friday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord 2009. Hanging in the Jester Radio chat room with Lulu. Why not stop by and say hi? She's relaxing. She's having a relaxing night, and she's laying back. She's tapping her foot, and her feet are up. And I don't know if you know about this, but you have for the duration of the show, for the full 120 minutes, you have full feet up permission. So a lot of times we worry, is this a time where I can put my feet up? Because you hate to put the feet up and then have somebody come along and say, oh, you got some shit you need to do. So you want to wait until just the end of the day when you can finally put your head back and your feet up. And you have full feet up permission, and that's what Louie is doing. So why not stop by and say hi and, 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 and interrupt her? President Barack Obama plans to repeal a Bush administration rule that's become a flashpoint in the debate over a doctor's right not to participate in abortions. The regulation instituted in the last days of the Bush administration strengthened job protections for doctors and nurses who refuse to provide a medical service because of moral qualms. Imagine going to a doctor and saying, please, doctor, save me. And the doctor saying, oh, man, you picked the wrong doctor. I don't do that operation. It goes against my morals. 
And I'm not even going to dignify it with what it is they claim to be against their morals because I got news for you. If you got morals, <laughs> then do, then go fucking do something else. I mean, if your morals are medicine, then practice medicine. If your morals are not practicing medicine, then go fucking sell shoes. Don't practice medicine half-assed and say, no, I, I won't do that. That's not, I won't, I, I'll do a lesser than state of the art of my practice because my, 5,000-year-old superstitions prevent me from doing my job. Fuck that. And by the way, do they tell you that before you fucking go to the hospital? Dying of something? And of course, they'll tell you, oh, it's about the sanctity of life. What about my fucking life? Hello? Health and human ser- I know this is all about women. See, that's the, that's the thing. We all talk about this like it's really about guys, but this is not. Guys don't ever have to deal with this. This is all about women. We know this is about a woman coming to the hospital emergency room and, and, and uh, after an automobile accident. And the question is, do we save the baby or the mother or the life? And they, or, or a woman comes and says, I want an abortion because, uh, it's going to ruin my fucking life. And the doctor says, no. I don't do that. Like, what? Why don't you put out a list in the yellow pages of the fucking amount of doctoring you will do? Health and Human Services officials said today the administration will publish notice of its intentions. So Obama, like, got rid of all that ridiculous shit. He can't protect your job. The Bush administration tried to create a rule that if you uh, were uh, uh, not providing medical uh, practice on the basis of some kind of ethical decision. And by the way, it's interesting how that only goes one you know one of you know one way because back in Vietnam, all those conscientious objectors who wouldn't uh, you know kill people because it went against their religion, they were thrown in the fucking clink. <laughs> conscientious object this. A health and Human Services official said Friday the administration will publish notice of its intentions. The official spoke on condition of anonymity. The Bush administration rule was quickly challenged in federal court by several states and medical organizations as a candidate. President Barack Obama criticized the regulation, and campaign aides promised that if elected, he would review it. And indeed he did. And here's another one of these things. Snippity snap snap. Every time you turn around, this fucking nigger's putting his foot down on something. Hot dang. It just feels like there's a new wind blowing, doesn't it? I know, I haven't really taken a deep breath since the late 70s, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, man, I got to go. I mean, I hear like on the one hand, the, 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 the doom and the gloom with the economy, even at best, it won't start picking up until the end of the year at best. And even then, it'll bottom out for probably another year or two more before we even see 2011, 2012. And, you know, how are we supposed to fucking last that long, man? What if, you know, even people with good jobs for 20 years, you know, they they lose jobs in an economy like this. What happens? Everybody, you know what happens? Everybody, like, bunks up with the one guy in the family who's still making a living. So if you're that person... You better clean out the fucking guest room, man, because the, the relatives are going to be coming. They're going to be a coming, knocking on the door. That's how we do it in this country. 
We take them in. I took, then my brother, then my brother-in-law Louie lost his job, now around 33, and we took him in. We took him in. So there's going to be some taken in. That's my prediction. I have spoken. Mark my words. Mark them. Mark them. Seriously, jot that down. Somebody, somebody have a pen? A rare uh, 1776 copy of the Declaration of Independence belongs to a Virginia technology entrepreneur, not the state of Maine. According to the Virginia Supreme Court ruling today, Richard Adams Jr. of Fairfax County purchased the document from a London book dealer back in 2001 for 475 gur, but the state of Maine claimed that it belongs to the town of Wiscasset, where it was kept by a town clerk in 1776. So, of course, that begs the question that if it belongs to them, why ain't they got it? Virginia's high court said that the lower court did not err in its ruling in Adams' favor because Maine didn't prove the document was ever an official town record and that Adams had superior title to the print. Adams' attorney, Richard K. Richardson, had argued, don't you wonder about people like that, Richard K. Richardson, when they're not disc jockeys, I mean, what their parents were thinking, had argued that Wiscasset's town clerk copied the text of the Declaration of Independence into the town's record on November 10th, 1776. It's that transcription, not the document upon which it was based. That is the official town record, Richardson said. The fact that the print was not made by an authorized public officer and was not intended to be the official memorial of the Declaration precluded the print from qualifying as a, quote, public record, unquote, under common law, the court said in its ruling. Imagine that. This guy, by the way, is the guy that founded UUNet. I don't know if you're familiar. This was like the very first commercial Internet service provider in the country. They were the ones that if you had no choice, if you wanted to connect to this new Internet thing, and uh, it was going on, you know, since the late 40s. Then you had to call UUNet. That was the only way. And it wasn't cheap either. I remember back in the day, the people who had very slow connections, like 300 baud connections, that's 300 bits per second. Uh, and nowadays we measure our bandwidth in megabits per second. But I'm talking about bits per second. Not K bits per second like we did with modems or megabits per second, but bits per second. And these people paid 1300 bucks a month, 1500 bucks a month for a 300 baud connection to the internet. I remember those days. Hey, you're listening to the ravings of a cloud on just radio. So much going on, so much coming up. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air. Just give us a call. 646-502-8600 gets you live on the air. Skype us, chat, come by the website, hit that donate button. But most important, join us in the chat room and say hi. It's so much fun uh, when you do it. And let me tell you, here in my heart, there's a story untold. I know, I know you're, you know, but just listen. It's true. Don't turn the dial. It's in my heart. And then I haven't told it.
of a girl who left me standing, standing in the cold, and since she's been away, I've never had a happy day.
Rockin' Robin, every little swallow, every chickadee, <laughs> every little bird of the tall oak tree, the wise old owl, the big black crow, flapping them wings, singing, go bird, go, ooh, doggy, you just picture that party going on in that tree, pretty little raven at the bird's nest dance, taught him how to do the bop, and it was grand, he started going steady, and bless my soul, he outbopped the buzzard in the Oreo. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds like subtly dirty, doesn't it? If if written right, all rock and roll lyrics should sound subtly dirty. Uh, the uh, Bobby D uh, Day there. And by the way, that song was very successfully covered. Uh, I don't know if you remember. I think it was in 77 or 78 by Michael Jackson, really uh, decent little poppy uh, version of that. Look into that. The Chubster before that and Limbo Rock. Limbo lower now. How low can you go? And uh, we started that set with the nutmegs here in my heart. There's a story untold about uh, a boy and left standing in the cold. And I uh, hope and I pray that you'll hear my plea and maybe someday you'll come back to me. And until then, this is my story in my heart. Check this shit out. By the way, you tuned into the Rovings of Acclaim this Friday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2013. Hanging in the Jest Radio uh, chat room with uh, Lucky Louie. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was quite the um, acapella 
singer in my youth, before my voice changed around, uh, you know, 12 or 13, I sang, um, you know, falsetto, not, uh, you know, real, uh, you know, soprano, but um, I had a nice, clean, clear voice, and I, st- and I started singing a lot of doo-wop tunes. I, you know, I was born right on the uh, sort of cusp of doo-wop, and my dad listened to a lot of it, my older brother listened to a lot of it, and I grew up listening to a lot of doo-wop music, and that was my music. My first song that I remember singing when I was like two or three was Earth Angel. And um, so, yeah, I did have the, and in fact, I th- I still could do the falsetto probably well into when I was uh, like 16, 17. After that, not so much. But I know I did uh, quite a bit because we did a little bit of that uh, uh, acapella in the program under the boardwalk. And I did some, uh, some of that uh, falsetto shmeer. Anyway, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown. It's February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2007. Why not stop by the Jester Radio chat room and say hi? It's at www.jesterradio.com. Click on chat. Follow the uh, easy-to-follow uh, instructions. So I was about to tell you this uh, uh, a minute ago. This um, someone Someone is throwing away placentas in central Illinois in the sewage system. And the authorities wanted it to stop. They're putting their foot down. Workers in Urbana uh, yesterday found a placenta in a filter that keeps large objects out of the sewage treatment plant. The third such find already this year, such so that uh, police have enlisted medical experts. You can imagine uh, Julie Pride said it was one of the weirdest phone calls I ever received. She heads the Champaign-Urbana Public Health District. Uh, Urbana Police Lieutenant Brian Seffrin remembered, quote, she said, you found a what in the where? Better bim plum. The unprecedented finds of officials wondering if a midwife or a veterinarian stressed by economic woes have been avoiding the expense of paying for a medical waste disposal service. Boy, how's that for some kind of fucking scamorama? Medical disposal practice service, please. What the fuck is that? Where do they bring it to? They just dump it off in the fucking sewer anyway. Placentas, uh, police aren't uh, aiming for an arrest, Seraphin said. Nobody suspects foul play. The umbilical cords still attached were clean cut. Uh, Placentas are potentially infectious, although health officials said the risk to the public is low. They just want the dumping to stop and hope the publicity will achieve that. They are keen on solving the mystery. Storm sewers and toilet drains uh, drain to the system so that uh, those seem to be the likeliest routes, according to this pride uh, person. But I don't think my personal toilet at home would be able to flush a placenta. Methinks that does protest too much. Huh? What's up with that, Julie Pride? Nobody said anything about your toilet. Why are you bringing up your toilet? Is this something we shouldn't be looking at in your personal toilet at home? Um? Champaign County Coroner Dwayne Northrup said the placentas could be from home births, but he's not ruling out hospitals. I don't believe... They were specimens kept for research or testing. He said they appear to be fairly fresh, so to speak. Ooh. Ooh. Well, there you go. They were fresh. 
Fresh placenta. That's your fresh placenta right there. Little mustard. Bake it up five minutes on each side. You know, some people keep the placenta because they think that the stem cell um, cord blood has magical properties. So, uh, or not magical properties, but they keep it because they think it has like medical benefits, and they want the, in case their kid is ever like loses a, a you know a, a, a foot in the future, the stem cells somehow you'll be able to grow back a new foot. That's what they're saying. They're saying any minute now we're going to be growing whole new feet and noses from people that you know. Any minute, what time is it? An apology from a bishop who denied the Holocaust wasn't good enough, the Vatican said today, adding that he must also repudiate his views if he wants to be a Roman Catholic clergyman. The statement by Bishop William, uh, Richard Williamson, quote, doesn't appear to respect the conditions the Vatican set out for him, said the Reverend Federico Lombardi, a spokesman for the Pope, you may recall a few weeks ago. They uh, went to go rehabilitate a whole shitload of uh, excommunicated uh, bishops, and one of them who was swept into this rehabilitation was a guy named Richard Williamson who's gone on record on TV saying they didn't gas Jews. That's crazy. Nobody gassed the Jews. And, you know, I got to wonder because I lost a lot of family in the Holocaust, and I know a lot of folks that did. And I was there at Auschwitz. I saw the shit, man. I mean, I, I saw the shit. I saw the ovens, and I saw the crematoria. And I saw the barracks, and I saw the scene, man. It was, I don't even, you know, I got to tell you, it's hard for me to even think about, much less talk about. It was a fucking death factory, a torture and death factory, mindless fucking, I mean, these people were the, were, were the uh, 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 craziest mass murderers that ever fucking inhabited the earth. It was a conspiracy of millions I mean, I understand people being doubtful and dubious and saying, show me the proof. But the proof really is there. It's overwhelming. And if in light of proof, people still insist that they don't see any, then either they're stupid, which is possible, or they uh, are inclined not to see the truth because they have another agenda. So I won't even go so far as to say they're they're lying and they see clearly. I'm sure for some people the, the you know Holocaust denial is just an outright outright lie. They know that it happened, but they just like the way it pisses off the Jews, so they say that it didn't happen. But I say for most people, they're probably in that state where they're convinced themselves. But this, folks, this is what I said at the time, and this is what I've been saying all along. The whole idea of demanding an apology—it's simp—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's absurd. It's retarded. It's like jumbo shrimp. You can't demand an apology. An apology is a heartfelt expression of regret over something you did. You can't demand somebody have that feeling of regret, especially because I've never heard. In the history of the world, anybody demanding an apology and then it ever being enough. They always come back after the guy apology and they go, what was that? That was not a good apology. That was not even that good. We reject it. We're back to square one. We count it as a no apology still. We demand a better apology. 
In an interview broadcast last month on Swedish TV and in previous letters and speeches, Williamson denied 6 million Jews were killed in the Holocaust, saying about 200 to 300,000 were murdered. He said none were gassed. Williamson apologized for his remarks yesterday upon his arrival in his native Britain after being ordered to leave Argentina. Even for Argentina, he was... He was too fucking racist. And that's where all the Nazis are hanging out. They they didn't want him there. He said he would never have made uh, them if he had known the full harm and hurt to which they would give rise. And by the way, not just harm, but also harm and hurt. He didn't say that he was wrong or that he no longer believed what he said. Today, German uh, Justice Minister Bridget Zipries said Germany could issue a European-wide arrest warrant on hate crimes for Williamson since the Swedish TV interview was conducted in Germany. State prosecutors in Regensburg, Germany, have opened a preliminary investigation into whether Williamson broke German laws against Holocaust denial. Germany's got some real severe-ass laws uh, against, uh, you know, being a Nazi or displaying Nazi symbols or... Uh, denying the Holocaust, but it's ridiculous because I've seen swastikas drawn on the wall of a train station and then come back to the same tra- exact train station to the same exact bench a year later and the same see the same fucking swastika. And it was only like drawn in chalk or something. It wasn't even like it was... It seemed like they may have preserved it actually over the year. So I don't know if they really stick to that law so much. Uh, his remarks prompted widespread outrage among the Jews. They also embarrassed the Vatican since they were broadcast just days before before the Holy See announced that he was lifting his excommunication as well as that of uh, three other bishops. The four members of the Traditionalist Society of St. Pius X had been excommunicated after being consecrated as bishops without papal consent back in 88. So he was sort of giving them a pass on that, whatever the fuck that means, some technicality bullshit. It's hard to keep track of what's, you know, the, the, the ridiculous shit that goes on within the Catholic Church. Uh, but the one thing we can follow is that nobody filled him in that one of those fucking bishops that he was rehabilitating was a Holocaust denier. And as a German pope, you would think he might be even a little more sensitive to that kind of thing than normally you would see. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Just Radio. Why not stop by and say hi? 646-502-8600 gets you live on the air with the Jester. Skype us at Jester Radio. Send us an AOL instant messenger message to Jester Radio 1. Yeah, imagine somebody else had Jester Radio. Sorry. We couldn't get that. And don't fuck with that dial. Got a little Bobby Seeger here for you. Stood there boldly, sweating in the sun. Felt like a million. Felt like number one. The height of summer. I'd never felt that strong. Like a rock 
was 18 Didn't have a care Working for peanuts Not a dime to spare But I was leaning Solid everywhere Like a rock My hands were steady My eyes were clear and bright My walk had purpose My steps were quick and light And I held firm To what I felt was right Like a rock Like a rock. I see myself again. Like a rock. 
no idea what that song. Sharif don't like it. Rock the Casbah. I think it's something about playing disco music in the Middle East. But you know, honestly, um, there's this you know whole uh, like uh, subculture in in uh, like Egypt and. Uh, and, you know, Pakistan and Iran, uh, where the young kids, like, you know, get together in these, like, secret discos and uh, take, you know, a lot of drugs and and party. So I think that's what that was about. But we played that, like, uh, around the clock on 9-11, Rock the Casbah. Hey, you're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Elvis Presley before that, Jailhouse Rock. And Bob Seger started that set like a rock. Can you see a pattern forming here yet? If you can, let us know. It's Friday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2009. Hanging in the Jester Radio chat room at www.jesterradio.com. Come on and get your chat on. Come on by and say hi. It's so nice when you do. And Louie is hanging out there, and she will flash you. She gives everybody a free flash. That comes in. Okay, okay, okay. One at a time. Okay. A uh, guy was arrested for allegedly stealing an ambulance that arrived to help him after a car crash. The California Highway Patrol said a 20-year-old man drove his Honda Accord off State Route 299 over an embankment into several trees last night. When emergency personnel arrived, he refused treatment. Instead, he hopped into the ambulance and sped away. CHP officers and Humboldt County deputies gave chase, managed to disable the ambulance by laying spikes on the road. The third man was booked into jail on suspicion of evading a police officer stealing an emergency vehicle <laughs> and driving under the influence of a controlled substance. Well, at least now we there's some explanation. Hey, guys, look over there. The Carter County Sheriff's Department is trying to serve an 80-year-old warrant for the arrest of a guy who uh, wrote a $30 bad check, although unsure if he's even still alive. The warrant issued in August of 1928 calls to the arrest of J.A. Rowland. It says he owes $30 for the bad check, 2 bucks for the arrest fee, and $0.50 cents for the affidavit and the warrant. Clerks at the Glenn County Sheriff's Office in Brunswick, Georgia, recently found the warrant buried in a record storage room while cleaning and mailed it down to Tennessee. Current Carter County Sheriff's uh, Chris Mathis told the Elizabethan Star that he's still under a legal obligation to find the uh, scoundrel and bring him to justice. Isn't there some kind of statute of limitations on, on what was the crime? $30 check? Come on. It's got to be. 37-year-old man has been accused of secretly installing a hidden video camera. We do like one of these stories a month now. Where some wackadoodle, don't these, don't, doesn't anybody even read the newspaper? Everybody gets caught doing this. Is everybody who does this actually still think that they're the only fucking person doing it who got the idea? Duh. Hey, video camera, I can see fucking naked chicks. It just seems like... 
every single time a guy hears about a new technology, the first thing he thinks of is how can I use this to see naked chicks? That's all I want to know. Well, you could make a fortune from such a device by seeing naked chicks. Well, no, but it, how do I get it to show me naked women? Because I have a theory, and you may have heard this several millions of times before if you've ever listened. And that is, I believe that men have a biological need to see a minimum amount of naked women every day. And, you know, we're the only creatures that don't see each other naked every day. Out in the woods, the fucking deer are looking at each other stork naked every day. They look at each other, they're all naked. They like get their fill of naked fucking, you know, of their own kind. We never see each other naked in daily life. And I think we have a physical need to look at naked women every day. I don't know, man. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it seems like we do spend an inordinate amount of time in pursuit of it. I, rec- I tell you, since since whatever the day was that my brother Neil showed me that picture of John and Yoko naked, uh, and I saw my first naked, you know, pussy, I tell you, since that day, I've been pretty much in pursuit of it nonstop. And when the day that that stops happening, that's going to be a bad day, folks. Let me tell you, that's going to be a that's going to be a day of reckoning. And I have to say, man, I'm not ashamed to say I had that at one point. I tried those uh, antidepressant drugs. And there's this weird thing. And, you know, afterwards, of course, I found out about it. Everybody said, oh, yeah, that happens sometimes, too. But for like the first week or two, first, everybody tells you, oh, yeah, it kills your libido. But it may not happen to you. They always throw that in. Like, for one in a million, it doesn't happen. So, you know, they don't tell you that. So I tried them. And for the first week or two, it made orgasms like the most insanely amazing. I, I can't even describe it. You know how sometimes, like when you're sick, when you got a cold, uh, and fucking a chick. I don't even know if that's just a me thing, but sometimes orgasms are more intense than others. But this was like th- three times, no exaggeration, three to seven th- and and three quarter times better than normal orgasms it was the first week or two on these antidepressant drugs then there was just a limp noodle after that it was noodle time it was like a noodle pie noodle pudding and then no matter what happens then of course i go back to the doctor i go this is not this isn't going to work for me it's not tenable and then he would say okay try this one so they would put me through like two or three or four or five different brands in a row minoxin laroxin mixolodian and they all were just full noodle, full bore noodle. So eventually I had to get off. That was the one time in my life, probably like for six months, when I just was not, you know, having any action at all. So, and I'm telling you, it's not a, it was not a happy time in my life. And if that, if that ever like happens again, like from nature, like I wake up one day and realize like I haven't had a boner in a month, or something, I'm going to really consider, like, what the fuck? I mean, I could see going on if I become blind. I could see going on if I, I don't know about deaf so much. I, I do rely on hearing a lot. 
But without the but without the boner, I don't even know, man. That would be tough. Tough. Tough, I tell you. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. It's Friday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2009. Oh, people, look among you. It's there your hope must lie. Oh, people, look around you. The signs are everywhere. You've left it for somebody other than you to be the one to care. There's no time to find you now While your walls are burning And your towers are turning I'm gonna leave you here And try to get down to the sea
year Coming home to a place he'd never been before He left yesterday behind him You might say he was born again You might say he found the key for every door When he first came to the mountains His life It don't last for long With the Colorado Rocky Mountain High I've seen it rain and fire in the sky The shadow from the starlight Is softer than a lullaby Rocky Mountain
He climbed to see the mountain. He saw silver springs below. He saw everything that a man could want to see. And he, his side has turned inside himself to try and understand the serenity of a clear blue mountain stream. What? Uh, Colorado, Rocky Mountain High. Friends around the campfire and everybody's high. <laughs> Excuse me. John Denver on Jester Radio. Neil Young before that. Keep on rocking in the free world. The electric version. Jackson Brown started out that set with Rock Me on the Water. Oh, people, look among you. It's there your hope must lie. There's a seabird above you gliding in one place like Jesus in the sky. We all must do the best we can, then hang on to that gospel plow. And when my life is over and I stand before the Father, the sisters of the Son are going to rock me on the water. Mm, Doggy! Don't that sound nice, huh? Either that or, you know, the worms will eat your flesh for an eternity. And a hundred billion years from now, you'll only then just start being dead forever. That seems more likely. According to Occam's razor of likelihood, that seems the latter rather than the former. Hey, you tune in to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio this Friday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2009. Me, moi, I, why no one special, no big deal, nobody important, just your old pal, your old friend, the Jester, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. Hope you're having a lovely Friday evening, feet up, head back enjoying the uh, cool tunes. In case you haven't picked it up by now, uh, you know, Rocky Mountain High, Rockin' in the Free World, Rock Me on the Water, Rock the Casbah, Jailhouse Rock, Like a Rock, Rockin' Robin, Limbo Rock. We're doing rock tunes tonight. I know a lot of people are uh, wasted beyond, and they're like, oh, man, something familiar about this song when the last song what the fuck is it? It's rock songs, you idiot. They're all with rocking in it. So that's our thing. We're rocking out this Friday night because for some people, Friday is a, is is something. It's a it's a holiday. Not for me. It's all the fucking same shit to me every day, Sunday through Tuesday, Monday through Friday. There's no like beginning or end. It's like the alpha and the omega. It's all just a blur. A southwest Missouri cattleman has been delivering calves at his farm for a long time, but a calf was born this week that was different. This one had two heads. Scott Cliff said he delivered the chocolate-colored male calf on Wednesday morning at his farm near Aldrich in Poe County. Cliff said the calf had two fully formed heads that appeared to be connected to its body just behind the skull. Cliff said late yesterday that the calf lived about a day and a half. It was unable to walk, so Cliff and his family bottle-fed the animal until it died at about 6 p.m. See, now, of course, the first thing I want to know is which head did they feed the bottle to? And did they give the other one? Was the other one just looking at him like with those sad cow eyes? Why aren't I getting a bottle? Few people have... Seen as such a thing, said University of Missouri Extension Livestock Specialist Eldon Cole, such births do happen. The condition is known as polycephaly, but Cole says it's pretty darn rare. Do you think? 
poor devil. I mean, for this thing to be born to die, you know, it just breaks your heart. There's, not because he lived a sad and difficult life, that's anthropomorphizing, but because we're humans and we're built with, we're wired with compassion. And even if it itself could not know, it's, could not itself be conscious of its own tragic circumstances, as humans, we just, you know, we feel sad for that. We put ourselves in the other creature's position, whether it makes sense to or not. And it's sad. It's sad, man. Poor little cow. Didn't hurt nobody for nothing. Only somebody feeding one half the head. The other half is looking on and th with the cow eyes thinking, why can't I get a bottle? And by the way, I'm not even kidding about that because the truth is whenever an animal like that happens, they can only feed it with one head because they don't want it to choke. In the they don't even know what's going on halfway down the throat. It may be two passages, whatever. You can kill the poor thing that way. So instead, the thing looks up at you like, what did I do wrong? Authorities said a man running late. It's a nice thought, isn't it? Authorities say a man running late for a flight flashed a fake police badge <laughs> to the online to the uh, airline workers and claimed to be an air marshal so that they would let him through the gate. Miami-Dade police said that a 49-year-old man was booked on a flight to L.A., but the gate had already closed and the plane was departing after he showed the fake badge and claimed to be an air marshal. Employees stopped the plane and let him get on. But unfortunately, there was real air marshals already aboard the plane, and they recognized his phony ba badge, and they kicked him the fuck off. And not happy with getting away with just not being arrested, he then went to the airport uh, bar and began loudly complaining about missing his flight. <laughs> and that's when they arrested him. So that's what you call a glutton for punishment. He was, like, begging to be arrested. All right, open the door. Turn on the lights. We're going to have us a party tonight for a rocker. Don't fuck with that doll. You're tuned open into the, the ravings of a clown on JR. We're going to have a party tonight for a rocker. For a rocker. So 
Johnny Rivers on Jester Radio. Rockin' pneumonia and the hoogie-hoogie flu. I got the rockin' the flonia and the foogie-moogie flu. I can't breathe, but I'm afraid to fall. I can't... I don't even know the words, but... Young Man Rhythm got a hold on me, too. I got the rockin' pneumonia and the boogie-foogie flu. I remember there was a joke about that. Anyway, Johnny Rivers, um, Billy Joel before that, it's still rock and roll to me. Uh, Paul Simon started that song, Love Me Like a Rock. And yeah, it's rock songs. Duh. I only like announced it like 20 minutes ago. Hey, uh, thanks for tuning in this Friday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord 2009. You've been listening to the ravings of a clown. This Friday evening, Bob the Engineer has asked me to remind you that if you've missed any portion of this evening's show... It will be recast at 2 a.m. and then again at 2 p.m. following all times Eastern. Consult your local directory. Also, don't forget the Jester Radio podcast is available through iTunes. Simply search for Ravings of a Clown. Ravings. Make sure you type it in like R-R-R-R-R. Avings of a Clown. Ravings of a Clown. For some reason, I'm always Scottish. Whenever I announce the name of the show. Also, um, don't forget to, uh, the, to click on the donate button. My God, people, don't you understand? We're all starving. We're desperately hungry. We need, we need food to eat. Don't you care about us? I'm hungry right now. I'm starving. So please, we implore you. We beg you. I'm down on my hands and knees. I'm literally down on my hands and knees. I'm actually right now. I'm down on my knees. All right, one second. Okay, now I'm literally down on my hands and knees. Seriously. All right, wait, one second. All right, but I'm not going to get on my knees. But please do go to the website. Click where it says donate and support us. Show us that you care. You know what you do? Just give till it hurts. That's the barometer. Just like type in some amount, and if it feels okay, go back and make it a little higher. Just keep giving until it's like, and then at one point you'll put in a number and it'll go, ah, and that's the amount we want. And we appreciate your support. It means so much to us. It's not even the money so much as it is the value of the money. Uh, finally, this evening, a 37-year-old man has been accused of secretly installing a hidden video camera. We started telling you this story before. At the Cambridge School in Weston, Massachusetts, Homer Rogers, the assistant director of information technology at the private school. So he was the assistant director nerd of the media center, okay? Assistant service tech a guy. He pleaded not guilty today in the Waltham uh, District Court to a charge of secret video surveillance of a partially nude person. Because this is like a recent law. Uh, only until recently has it been illegal to put these secret cameras in. Because there was no law, because there was nobody doing it. <laughs> nobody was sneaking around catching people naked. And let me tell you, man, I make fun of it only because it's funny. But the truth is that a lot of women who this has happened to, man, it's been like devastating to them. The idea of people seeing them naked without their permission, it's like, it's a, it's a fucking drives them bonkers, man. Chicks can't stand that. They want to control who sees them naked. And they, and they quite 
understandably have said in many cases they feel like they've been raped, only didn't know about it. And then when they find out about it, then they feel raped. But had they not found, it would have been as if it didn't happen. So I'm still not really 100% sure. Uh, he was released on his own rec personal recognizance. According to the police report, school officials found a video camera and a recorder hidden in the girls' bathroom. The report says that a camera was placed in the insulation of a pipe and aimed towards the toilet. Ew. It was a toilet cam. He was into watching chicks pee. Now, that's just fucking depraved, man. I'm sorry. If it was a masturbation cam, that I could understand. But a urine cam, I don't know. I don't know about that. That's kind of gross. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Ravings of a Clown. It's been so special to have you here. I can't even begin to tell you how much it means to me. I have like a grudge in my gizzard. Please don't forget to be impeccable with your word. It's your one and only. It's the only one you got. Make every one of them count. Don't take anything personally. It's not about you. It's about me, usually, but definitely not about you. Don't make any assumptions. You know what happens when you do. You make an ass out of me and you. And finally, always, most importantly, do your best. That's all you got. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. That is my solemn oath to you. And until that time, Hustis, well, God gave rock and roll to you. Use it. Enjoy it. Good night. See you tomorrow.
be honest, I'd never heard of the first bank that treats you like your John Wayne Bobbitt. <laughs> this man came in and said he'd never heard of the first bank that treats you like your John Wayne Bobbitt. We suspected someone had whacked his ears off. The man at the first bank that treats you like your John Wayne Bobbitt asked me a few questions. We asked the man, how's it hanging? I told the man that I needed a construction loan. We told the man he would have to fill out one of our loan applications.